Thank you for pulling into the Hope Station. I am your host, Diane Bells. The Hope Station is a place to hear amazing interviews, great transformational stories, and learn about the power of faith and hope to change your life. A podcast that proves living purposefully is possible. Are you ready for your own transformational story? Do you want to turn a new chapter in your life or career? There's hope. Schedule a free consult call with me to stop feeling hopeless and gain the hope you need to have the life you deserve. Information of how to schedule that appointment is in the show notes. You can also connect with me through my website, Diane Bells, uh, D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. Are you ready for another great interview? Hello and welcome to the Hope Station. I am your host, Diane Bells, and today my guest is Pam Button. And Pam has an amazing story of resilience. What she has gone through and where she is now is an amazing story of transformation, of forgiveness, and it's centered on changing your mindset. So Pam is an author, a speaker. She's a certified resilience and health coach. And Pam, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Diane. I uh, appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. So let's go back. I know you have a big story. What is, why were you focused on resilience? What brought you to that topic with all the topics that you can write and speak about? Why did you choose resilience? When I look back at my life, just throughout the years, um, even from when I was a young girl, the number of things that I have um, endured and had to overcome, um, people, a lot of people have told me you're resilient. You're very resilient. And in realizing that myself, it's like, wow, I am resilient. I've had people tell me <laughs> like they admire me because I'm a strong, independent person. And I look at them and it's like, well, I admire them for this or that other thing. And I even uh, at one point going through one of the counseling, one of the counselors that I was talking to, he said I was the second most resilient person he'd ever met, second to his brother. <laughs> So if you have a counselor tell you that you're a very resilient person, that word kind of sticks with you and then just helps you plug along through life and then enduring even more things after after that as to when I went to see that counselor. Well, it's very interesting because when I was trying to do a recap on all my podcasts, I found that one of the number one things that people had in common is that resilience. So I, I just pulled up a definition, which is, you know, I, I it says resilience refers to both the process and the outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences. Being resilient does not mean that people don't experience stress, emotional upheaval and suffering. Demonstrating resilience includes working through emotional pain and suffering. Does that sound like what you've been through and what you're doing to a T multiple times over. <laughs> yes. So, exactly. so you, you've had so much happen that you almost have this like amazing superpower or amazing resilience muscle. And I always want to know was like all of it worth it to get you where you are today. Up until about two years ago. No, but now I would say yes, 
because I have a different mindset of what than what I had before. Okay. And and that was the whole key to everything is just the different mindset. And now I look at everything that I've been through and I feel like I've been through that for a purpose so I can help other people. But when I was in it or going through something new, it was like, oh, now what? Why me? Why do I have to go through this again? I mean, haven't I been through enough? It's like, I think I've learned enough patience. I don't need any more. (laughs) Now I look at it like, wow, I think I was meant to deal with that to try to help other people. Wow. So talk a little bit about where your story started, where some of these tragedies, where some of these heartbreaks or some of these challenges started and where you've been through and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. um, So I'll just um, keep it real short. If people want to dig in further into my stories, I do have um, my book will be published in July, about three weeks. It's um, resilience, the three keys to turn setbacks into comebacks. And so I, in that book, I have more of my story, but I also include the lessons that I've learned and healing strategies to help other people, and then affirmations, because we really need to have that positive self-worth, which I didn't have in my younger years as to where my trauma started, Um, which the main thing that I start out with in my book is um, I was raped at the age of 15. That put me into Yeah, that, that kind of put me into a downward spiral of choosing bad guys. Um, I then ended up in a very bad domestic violence relationship, and it was physical and emotional abuse. Um, and they say that, you know, physical abuse, domestic violence, but I, I believe that the emotional abuse can be worse than the physical abuse, um, unless it gets to the point of, you know, serious bodily harm or death. Um, right. But the emotional abuse really had me like, feeling like nobody, well, he would tell me nobody would love me like he would, and just almost made me feel like I couldn't leave. I wasn't worth anything. Um, and just kind of brought back up the the rape, like I was like damaged. And then he kind of furthered that mindset. Um, so I, I was able to find the strength to leave that relationship. And then, you know, a few years later, I ended up finding myself divorced two times over. Um, you know, I worked really hard at trying to make those marriages work and, um, you know, different things happened throughout those relationships. The My children's dad left when I was, uh, my daughter was one and I was pregnant. So I was single mom raising two kids and you look at it and you think, how did I do this? Or how can somebody do that? But you do what you have to do when you're in the situation. And I, I look back at that time when my kids were both of them were in diapers and I was a single mom working full time. And I went back to school and got my master's degree. Wow. And it's, it's like, I look back at it now and I'm like, how in the heck did I do that? But you just do what you have to do to make things work. And I was so, I didn't want to ask for help. I was so stubborn and it's like, you know, I would just felt bad for asking for help. It's like, no, I can do this. I can do this. I mean, I had a lot of babysitters. to watch the kids and stuff. But yeah, I just, it's, you you can get yourself through more than what you ever think you could when you're put in that situation. Um, 
And so I went through a lot of counseling and I still had some things that I was dealing with. And one of those was just negative. I had a negative mindset, even though I finished my master's degree with babies and working full time, I still was just negative about the world and relationships and just that I was even in that situation that I had to do that. Um, And I would have people point things out to me that I was so negative and needed to change my mindset. But I think it was just so ingrained in my mind that so much had happened to me that was bad. I just, that was my life. I just would look at it and say, well, it's going to be this because that's the way it always is for me. And I wouldn't look at or even think about a possible positive outcome. I just would try to work and then I'd get myself through something and then I'm doing okay. And then something else would happen. And then I would work and fight and get myself through it. And then something else would happen. And those other things that happened is one of them was I was in a car accident and I had a brain injury. And by the time I got to the hospital, I thought I was going to be paralyzed on one side of my body. And I actually was in therapy over that for six years. Um, I couldn't speak properly couldn't complete a sentence. I was off work for a while. I was in a lot of therapy and like the the speaking, I couldn't even complete a sentence. Words would be in my head and it wouldn't come out. So I had a lot of relearning to do. Um, But during that time I had lost, I had lost my job and went back to work and I couldn't handle the stress of that job. So this was another thing that I was facing. a job I had previously years ago, I had lost to an injury. Um, I was a police officer for 18 years and I got hurt on duty and wasn't ever cleared. Well, we didn't have light duty in our contract and um, disability in our contract. And I was never cleared for full duty after that. So, and then there was another job in there that I lost due to mergers and cutbacks. And so I've lost, you know, multiple jobs due to no fault of my own and had to come back from all those too. But you just, you just can't give up. I mean, I had kids, I was a mom and, you know, I was, had to be responsible and I just had to fight to get through it. Um, But the biggest, biggest thing that held me back from all of that, that I think contributed the most to the negative attitude and possibly damaged a lot of those relationships was the um, silent shame that I held on to for over 30 years from the choice that I made to have an abortion. Um, So years ago, after the rape and the domestic violence situation, I found myself pregnant and didn't want anything to do with that father and thought I was going to lose my job and wouldn't be acceptable by my parents, you know, the father or the situation either way. And so I didn't hardly tell anybody, only like four people in my life knew And then the big turning point for me and all of this negativity, and even though I made it through all of that stuff and worked so hard and became resilient, I like had to learn how to be resilient. I was still very negative. So the turning point. Let's just pause here for a second. Let's just pause just for a second. Take a breath. Yeah, I know. I'm like, there's so much. (laughs) So one of of the things that I want, want to ask you is, what does mindset mean? So what is the definition of mindset? People kept on telling you, you needed to change your mindset. What does that even mean? Like, is there a switch somewhere that you can just go in and turn it on? Can you go to some store and buy mindset? What does that even 
mean? And why was it so important for you to change it? Yeah, it would be nice if you could go buy it or if there was some (laughs) magic pill for it. But I think I had I had worked at it a number of different times, right, with this low self-esteem and being abandoned and abused. And I would go to counseling and I would try to work on it and try to focus on it. And then I I mean, it's like I would do good for a while and then I would slip back. Um, I would do good for a while and then slip back. And I don't even know what the dictionary definition of, of mindset is, but to me, it is not just looking at, um, like your current situation. It's like looking at life as a whole and looking at where I was and how I used to feel, but where I want to be. And then how, what am I going to do to get to where I want to be? I can't keep thinking negative or I can't keep holding on to those past hurts and anger. I have to let those go. Um, And then when I did that, when I finally let go of, I think all of that, which I think this abundance event was for me, was a huge turning point. It's like, a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And then to find that positive mindset came easier. It's like, I could find it, but then it would just stay with me. It wouldn't just disappear like it did before. I think it's when when I'm hearing these, there's a couple things that you're talking about. Number one, there was a story that you've been telling yourself for a very long time. And then there is that ability to try to shift. And anyone listening to your story and knowing all the different things, raped, two failed marriages, I'm going to use it that, domestic violence, losing three jobs. Pam, why shouldn't you be negative? Why shouldn't you be mad your entire life and say, life sucks and (laughs) I deserve to be as mad and angry and unforgiving as I want to be? And most people would say, you're right. Yes, they, yeah, a a lot of people did. And a lot of people have told me, it's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you came through that. And that's why a lot of people have told me, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And then then here I go with the negative mindset. My mindset, my limiting beliefs told me, you can't write a book. I like almost failed English in high school. You know, it's like, I, and younger younger days in English I like cheated on almost every spelling test it's like (laughs) I don't know how I made it through high school or college or with the English I'm like I can't write a book but then that's my negativity and my mindset and then once I had this release of I think of the shame that I was holding on to it opened me up to wow I can do that because I'm resourceful, right? All mm. these things that I've done, it's like, okay, yeah, I didn't want to ask for help, but I was resourceful. You know, I found babysitters, I found new jobs, you know, but to get the new jobs, it's like I found an organization in my area that helped me redo my resume and helped me, you know, be, financially I was struggling because I'd lost the job. They even gave me an outfit for my new interviews. And so 
there's a lot of that stuff that I talk about in my book, all these different resources and places that you can go out to. It was very humbling for me to go from a very good paying job to making minimum wage seasonal help at like a craft store. Just okay. because I had to do something and I needed something. And I'm like, that was a seasonal job. What was I going to do when the Christmas season was over? I didn't know, but I had to have something for now. And then I had to keep working toward getting something different. Um, yeah. So that whole mindset thing to me, resilience and mindset, it's like resilience. If someone's supposed to like throw rocks at me, it's like, they're just going to bounce off. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the way I think of it. It's like, just come at me. Come on, come at me now. It's like, you know, I got this. It's like, okay. nothing well, is going to take. Yeah. Well, from all that, see, before what I'm hearing is before you thought like um, that victim mentality, this is the way it's always going to be. Nothing will ever change. So it's like you felt like you deserve to have this life that was very challenging and hard. And then that's what the mindset shift is. And then realizing like, wait a minute, I don't have to live in that old story. So to me, a mindset is a story that we've been telling ourselves. And most of it is constructed with lies. They're sort of situational. Because this happened to me, then I'm this. Because I was raped, then I'm not worthy of love. Because I was, uh, you know, I had a husband who, told me I wasn't good enough. I started believing that story and it's the, the programming. So you had years and years of programming and then you had that shift. So you, you talked about being at an, at an event called abundance that that was pivotal to this new Pam, this new story yes. that you're now mm -hmm. writing, including being an author, yes. <laughs> which you thought there's no way I can be an author. Right. So right. when you changed your story, now you've changed your life. Ex totally. My life has totally changed. It's like I had talked to counselors and, you know, one of the things that I mentioned too, and I want people to hear me when they say this, not all counselors are alike. So if someone had a bad experience with a counselor, don't just quit because they're giving up on themselves go find a different one. Just keep looking until you find one that you can resonate with. So that was important. I just wanted to get that out there because if you quit counseling, you're giving up on yourself. Um, but yeah, so at abundance, yeah, I gave up. I finally let go and released the silence. And I think that is huge. I mean, there was, yeah, multiple times or different ways that I could have shaped my life throughout those different things. And I just, I just worked hard to get through it, to continue to live but I wasn't living happily. I was surviving okay. to take care of my kids. So I was resilient, but I wasn't happy resilient. I just, yeah, I was just continuing. And then, but once I let go of the shame and I forgave myself because I have told in my mind, I had said, I forgive the person that raped me. I forgive the other person that abused me. I forgive the guys for divorcing me, leaving me. You know, I forgive them. And then I, each time I looked at myself and, and what could I do different? What could I have done better? What did I do wrong? Um, and then I had to come to the realization that, you know, what some of those people did to me, there was nothing I did wrong. It wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for that. I didn't deserve it. I had to accept that and just 
it happened. I made it through it. I'm a survivor. I'm not like a victim. Like you said, I'm not the victim mentality. I'm a survivor. I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm resilient, resourceful, whatever. And just keep focusing on that. And then just breaking my own silence of getting rid of that one thing that was in there that was still holding on to me, just released me from everything. Um, so my program so to, that I create. Let just let me ask. So it sounds like you were able to forgive everyone else that did things to you or, you know, that hurt you, but you weren't able to forgive yourself. What happened that you finally said, it's time to forgive Pam? I've forgiven everyone else. It's time to forgive Pam. And then what happened, Pam, when you finally said, I'm forgivable, I'm, I'm worthy of forgiveness, I'm going to let this silent shame of having an abortion go? It was almost like that day. Um, and it's like I didn't, almost like I didn't choose to do that. It's like it was, I was put in that situation to give, I was given the opportunity to admit that. And that's what that event did. It was giving me the opportunity to be able to say, yes, I chose to have an abortion where I always hid it and hid it and nobody ever asked. And it was just hidden and shame over it. And then when I was given this opportunity to just step forward and admit that I did this, there was incredible fear when I heard that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to step forward. I have to say, I did this. People are going to know I did this, but I, I did. And then as soon as I did that, it's like I kept getting this little voice in my head that say it, say it, like just stepping forward wasn't enough. I had to say it out loud. And at this event, they go around after after events and before breaks and have the coaches go around and have people share takeaways. And I'm like, I, I, I can't say this out loud to all these people. And I just louder in my head, say it. And it's like someone almost elbowed me really loud like <laughs> say it you know it's the way it felt like it was so loud in my head and so I just kind of you know reluctantly raised my hand and then I went out to the aisle and like I said four people knew I told almost almost a thousand people at the same time my story and I was bawling it was like tears of shame and unforgiveness turned to tears of relief during that moment and then at that event, every break that rest of that day and the next day, somebody came to talk to me to say, you're not alone. I can get you some resources. You're not alone. They would give me that look in their eye like I've been there. A couple people, one of the gals, she said, I've never told anybody. So I even had a gentleman come up to me. And part of my story real quick was that I, be I believe God forgave me and I prayed about it. I believe it was a little boy and I named him Anthony. And so I shared all that. And a gentleman came up to talk to me. And because I shared all this, he said, you know, you're so brave. Everybody said, you're so brave. You're, you know, I can't believe you did that. I'm so proud of you. And he said, you know, when I was, I am happily married with three kids, but when I was 19, I paid for my girlfriend to have an abortion. He said, I've never let that go. And he said, I knew I had to come talk to you to get this out because my name is Anthony. Oh, my gosh. That's going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just got goosebumps again sharing that. So it's like me listening to that little 
thing, which I know what it was telling me, you know, to just say it. What was it, Pam, telling you? (laughs) It was telling you. It was my spirit, my Holy Spirit, God telling me, release this, say it, say it, get it out, get it out. And I've never been in a situation where I was even asked or prodded to just say it, to get it out. And so, and then all of those people that kept coming to me, I just kept getting this message like, I gave these people someone to say it to. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have anyone to say it to. Nobody to listen to them so they could break their silence, no matter if it's rape or domestic violence or job loss or divorce or something that they chose to do like I did. That's shame and unforgiveness. A lot of people are hiding something in unforgiveness or shame. And so my program is Silence to Resilience. I want to be that person and help people break their silence and help them come out of that shell, help them break, knock those walls down of pain and unforgiveness and hurt and um, and just realize that who they are inside and who God meant them to be. And, you know, you, they are worth it. We are worth it. We're all worth it. God created us for a purpose. He didn't create me to go through all that pain and anger. And that's why I can say now, I think I went through all that so I can help other people. And I think a lot of people that have been through things, we just don't, we never know why. We're always asking right. why. You know, why me? Why me? And it seems like for all those years, the only time I would pray or go to God was when I was in the valley, you know, and yeah, and by the grace of God, I would get out of it. But then I'd be in another valley. I'd get out of it. I'd be in another valley. But, you know, and so since that breakthrough, it's like, I'm writing a book. All of a sudden, I'm writing a book. I got to help people. I'm talking to people. I'm talking to people. I talk to certain people and they're like, are you sure you want to share that? Because they were worried for me, for shame or embarrassment, I said, yeah, you know what? I can comfortably say this to you right now with no shame or embarrassment. And I want to be able to help people heal whatever it is. So what does it feel like to be on the other side of shame? Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, I went through like this healing day thing and I kid you not, I, it felt like I was very skinny, like I lost over half my weight or something. (laughs) It's like not just a weight lifted off. It's just like I felt, oh, oh, wow. Just so it's so hard to even describe. I mean, I would I cried many times, but happy tears. And it's like, okay, now what do I do? What do you want me to do? (laughs) What do I do with this? (laughs) And just seeking out guidance and mentorship and other coaches and to try to grow and figure out what do I do with this? Where do, where do I, you know, where do I go? And I don't want to keep it silent anymore. I want to right. you know, grow with this. Well, there is so much studies about shame and unforgiveness and what it does to you. And, you know, if you're talking that the Holy spirit is guiding you to say, tell it, finally tell it, you know, that there's someone telling you, hold on to that. It's yes. reconfirming the story of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. No one else will love me. I'm not that smart. I can't even spell. How could I write a book? So when you're having it, it's on the other side. And that's where a lot of the mindset that shift is, is that we're going from the lies that we once told ourselves or someone else told us that we believed as truth. And now 
working through that shame, working through that unforgiveness, working through all that hard stuff. And it's really hard. You know, otherwise we wouldn't have held on to it for so long. And then going to that other side that now you're rewriting a story. You're not negative. You're not feeling like a, um, a victim. You're not feeling like what's going to happen next. This is, you know, this is my life. It's a series of ups and downs. It's a very different story that you're telling now. So talk a little bit about your, your book, about that resilience. You said there's, uh, I love this subtitle, Step Back to Come Back. And you said there's three keys. Can you share with us what those three keys are to help us get from that setback to, to be a, a comeback, Pam? Hey, Pam, in your book, you talk about the three keys to help us get from setbacks to comebacks. What are those three keys? The three keys I call my PSP formula. And I look at those three keys as your past your situations in your life, and then the people in your life. So how I dealt with the different things that happened to me regarding those three areas, and then um, learning lessons, healing strategies, affirmations for each of those things, things that you dealt with in the past, things that knocked you down, all those setbacks. Um, And then just the different situations in your life, you know, it could have been one of those things, one of those instances that occurred, but then it put you in this situation of being jobless or single or whatever this the situations or now I have a brain injury right and then the just the people themselves how all of the feelings that I felt the limiting beliefs the uh, yeah the I'm not good enough and then how do you turn those into you are worthy you are strong you God gave you the power inside you to co- overcome this stuff and you can do it. You just have to believe in yourself and and seek out those resources or help or whatever if you need to. I, I love the way you you said it, but also, you know, the, our, our past can hold on to us, right? We, we feel like we're a victim of our situation and circumstances and then the people involved. So by doing this process, where you're really going through healing strategies and doing affirmations. Is that part of changing your mindset? So you're taking your past and you're, it sounds like it's almost you're rewriting part of that story of your past, how what you thought you once were in the past to what you now believe about yourself currently and for the future. Am I getting that correct? Yes, it's all based on the whole mindset, you know, when these situations happened, or when these people hurt me, how did I feel then? Um, And then I may not have gone through the counseling or have dealt with that for years later. But now that I look back at that, it's like I held on to something for so long. But then once I did deal with it, I had to address those emotions. And how did I feel about it? And then letting it go and going through that therapy. And one of the best therapies I did um, was EMDR therapy. And that is what, what does that mean? EMDR, it's eye movement desensitization realization, I think it is. Okay. EMDR. And it actually takes you back into your past to look at traumatic mm-hmm. events. And you deal with your different ego states. So <clears throat> during one of these section, sessions, actually in my mind, I was talking to my 15-year-old that was raped. 
So okay. it's very powerful therapy. And and that therapy is the only counseling that helped me get over the panic attacks that I had been suffering for a few years. Okay. And so there, there's that combination of get, getting, so there's new people in your life, right? There's new people that you're talking to, someone to help you heal, coaches to help you get through this. And you can see it's just the, the major shift in your life. You know, the things that you thought you'd never be able to do, and now you're doing. So what did you tell your 15-year-old self to help you get through that? Yeah, I had to tell her that um, I had to get her to believe that it wasn't her fault, that she didn't ask for it, and that he was wrong. We, you know, he made some bad choices, but we can't let that reflect on us anymore. And we have to let that go and that we are strong and we've made it over that and we have moved on. So it's like, I had to tell her, you know, what I, where I was now in life that, you know, you know, we're a mom or I'm a mom and, you know, we have to let this go. So this doesn't keep coming up and causing panic attacks. And I have to be good for the kids. we got to take. So it was really interesting out all of my different ages and my ego states. I had to have these conversations with them to get them to let it go because it was something in my past that was triggering the panic attacks. Um, okay. So that's why that therapy is incredible. Um, I recommend EMDR to anybody that's been through traumatic events. Um and I didn't even think this stuff was still in there because I had prayed, I'd forgiven, I'd even driven by the house where it happened. And I sat in front of the, one of my other counselors recommended this. I drove over there, I sat in my car and I cried and I prayed for God to forgive him, you know? And so it's like, I believe that all happened, but it was, I was surprising that that was still in there. When I went through this counseling, all of this stuff was still in your subconscious mind that I thought it was dealt with even the abortion. I believe I prayed for forgiveness and, you know, I was healed and, and named him. And I just even like kind of would try to forget about it for years, you know, and then all of a sudden things would surface and, and it's like, wow, I can't believe how strongly that was in there. So in my book, I talk a lot about the subconscious mind and then that therapy. And to me, it's the subconscious mind is like a flight recorder on a plane, right? No matter okay. how, what happens or how damaged that gets, that information is still in there, right? And it takes the right people to find it and pull that information out. And that's kind of what happens to our brain. It's like certain things will trigger things from the past and all of a sudden that stuff comes out. So I just kind of attribute that to like a flight recorder. Like it's there, it's recorded. It's not going anywhere. You know, we choose to forget it. We choose to not remember it or, or whatever, but at some point, certain things could surface if they're not dealt with. And it sounds like when you're able to do that, you're able to to repair your subconscious as well. You're able to say, let's tell or we're telling ourselves a different story. It's not your fault. You, you made a decision. You wouldn't make that decision now if you knew about it. Like we, we always make decisions on the knowledge and information we have at the time. And also due to the stress of the circumstances. So you can see if you're in a bad relationship, you, you can understand a lot of the decisions why you made them. But it it's just stored in a different area of our brain to say this this needs to be dealt with. And I love how you're you're saying that maybe it's not working. What you've tried before isn't working. 
what I'm hearing is don't give up. You're worth it. There is something out there that can help you and can heal you. Do you feel that people who aren't healed just want to hold on to it? Like they they just can't seem to let it go because it has defined who they are. It, it has become their identity. It's a story that they've told themselves so many times that they're saying, well, there can't be a different story in my life because this is my life story. So how did you have the old story of Pam? And how are you continuing to create the new story about who Pam is and what Pam is is capable of doing? Yeah, I absolutely believe that people are holding on to old stories. Or I think for a lot of people, it's their environment that they were born into or grew up in that it's like, well, you know, my dad was an alcoholic, so I'm going to be an alcoholic too. And it's just a story in their mind. But yet there's a story of there's, I can't, I don't remember the names or whatever, but there was a family, there was two brothers. And then, you know, the dad was in this bad situation, whatever. And one brother went down that road and the other one totally turned it around and went the other way and was very successful. So it's like that story shows that it's all mindset. It's like, are you going to accept, you know, this, we hear a lot of like athletes where they come from and then, then where they are now, it's like they worked and they got out of that area. And, you know, even, you know, so many people, it's just, they just, yeah, are stuck in this certain area. And I believe it is all living in that mindset, that victim mindset. And once you can find someone to that will listen to you, because I think a lot of it is breaking the silence. Even if you tell one person, if it's a counselor, someone that you can trust, right. a, a close friend, if it's issues with your family, then, you know, tell a counselor or a friend, you don't have to tell family, but if you can tell someone in your family that you trust, that's great. Then they'll help you find, get the help that you need. But I think you do need to at least let that go. You have to release it. Even if it's to yourself, right. writing a letter, write down, journaling is a big thing, write down all your emotions. And that's one of the healing exercises in my book is write all this stuff out, write a letter to the person that hurt you. You don't have to go give it to them, you know, but do something with it, get rid of it, let those feelings go, tear it up, burn it, whatever, but get them out, get them out somehow, break that silence. If you have to in your room by yourself or go out in the woods and scream, just get it out. You know, it's like if you don't want to tell somebody else, at least write it down and somehow let it go and then just keep focusing, keep working on building yourself. Once you start switching from negative to positive, you have it's a conscious effort now. It's like I'm consciously working on my conscious mind to try not to let my subconscious mind take over and come back and hurt me with those traumatic events. And so when I would first start feeling anxiety after that counseling, it was a lot of self-talk that she taught me how to do to talk myself out of having an attack, right? And it's, so you have, it is mindset, talking to yourself. And that's why a lot of people say affirmations. You might've heard a lot of it recently. It's like, talk to yourself in the mirror. You know, you get up every morning and tell yourself you're a good yes. person. I actually have a couple of things taped right on my mirror that I see every day. <laughs> I have my vision board sitting right in front of me here on my whiteboard at my desk. It's, you know, it's like I'm do purposefully doing things to keep this mindset going, to continue to grow and grow in the white right way and to not slip back. So is all this work worth it? It sounds like it's hard work. And I know people are going to say that's just too hard. 
I can't change my mind. And what are you going to say to them right now to give them hope? What are you going to tell them, Pam? Because my mom would used to say that's a bunch of hogwash (laughs) (laughs) or poppycock. Those were years, words I'd hear years ago. And I, you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? A lot of people say that, well, if I can do it, you can do it. But I truly believe that because I had been, I have been through so much, unfortunately, but I have. And now I can say I've been there, I've done that, and you can get through it too. And I think that's the strongest reason why I want to help other people is because I've been in a lot of those shoes. You know, maybe there's someone that hears this and they were raped, but they didn't go through anything else. Well, maybe that one story can help them talk to somebody, or maybe they lost the jobs and maybe they think, wow, I didn't know there might be some resources in my area that can help me write my resume or get me some clothes or whatever. You know, it's like just hearing how strong I was. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I I had to be to get through all that stuff. And just to, to hear that, you know, maybe you've heard it before, but, you know, something t- sometimes I heard stuff before, but I needed to hear it like three or four or five times, you know, so maybe this will be the time that they will say, okay, I'm going to do something about it because nothing happens until you act. It is hard work. But you have to take that step. You have to do it, right? To everybody listening, it's like you can't change until you act. Nothing is going to change. Well, I think that that's great advice is because we can just continue to feel like I'm going to talk myself out of it. But I've also heard that we have to put action to that too. So by you saying, you know, uh, I, I, I'm an author, you can keep on saying I'm an author, but until you sit down and start writing, <laughs> you're not an author. You can say I'm a speaker, but until you go and start speaking, you're not a speaker. So there's all the, there has to be action around that intent. And sometimes we're waiting for this great wave of motivation or inspiration to come and get us. And I agree that we have to say, put, put our thoughts into action. So, you know, just being a coach, we know the, the mindset, it's the circumstances really, as you said, with those two brothers, the circumstances can be actually the same and how we look at them, how we think about them is going to trigger a feeling. And that feeling causes us to act in a certain way and those actions cause results. And sometimes when you're stuck in the story, you're like, I'm stuck. And you're not realizing there's things that you have to go to to look at. What are those thoughts? And my coach has said, we have to look at our beliefs. What do we believe about God? What do we believe about ourselves? What do we believe about the situations? And when we start uncovering some of those, the powerful transformations are incredible. It's like you can free yourself from this prison of shame this prison of pain, you can do all that, but you have to actively take control of it and saying, it's time to rewrite this story because it's nothing's going to change until that mindset shift happens. And a lot of that is rewriting the story. Like you said, I'm I'm not a bad person. Something happened to me. I was raped. Something happened to me and I decided to have an abortion. You now you have to change that story. And and if you don't, you're going to be stuck in that shame and that pain and that fear and that anxiety and all these awful emotions that there is freedom. 
but it's going to take action on your part to get that freedom. It's like the keys are there, right? Your your three keys are there. <laughs> we just have to pick it up and decide we're going to use those keys and unlock the door, unlock our people, our paths, unlock the situations, unlock the people. So like Pam, you can be free as well. Beautiful story. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you want to share as we wrap this up? Um, if I could, if people want to check out my book, again, the title is Silence to Resilience, The Three Keys to Turn Setbacks into Comebacks. Um, and on, in the purchase with the purchase of my book, I have a, a free gift for everybody. It will take them to my website. And then there are other resources there as well. And my coaching program is Silence to Resilience that does continue to walk you through building resilience and grit. And I also have a weekly planner that continues helps you continue to build resilience throughout the year. I, I so I'm love just it. glad to have been here. Thank you. Well, I can, you know, you, you've proven that uh, you are the poster woman <laughs> for resilience. And you're also the poster child for you can do this. It, it, this does not have to be your life story or your life sentence, that there is freedom and you just have to use the keys that uh, Pam is going to provide to you with, through her book and her uh, coaching program. So thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate and I, I love this story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Wasn't that a great episode? My hope is that this episode brought you hope. Do you want to be a hope giver? I hope so. And how you can do that is to share this podcast, post the episode on social media, write a review or rate the podcast. This helps engagement and boost the podcast out to other listeners in need of hope. So thank you. Thank you for participating. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being a valued listener. And my hope is that you have a great week.